I was born in Toowoomba, and I was raised in Townsville. Okay, it's a good spot. Beautiful, uh, sunny Townsville. Tell us a bit about your uh, your upbringing. Did you have like a religious upbringing at all? Um, up until my early teens, there was uh, no church whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then um, mum got saved. How did that happen? Uh, bad situation, and... Um, she found salvation. Okay, wonderful. And tell us a bit about your faith journey. How did you come to know the Lord? I went to church for a, a long time as a young man, and um, it was never ever my walk. It was mum's walk. And the sad thing was it was just a social thing. And um, it was some time later, um, my mid-40s actually, where... In, actually, <laughs> it was 2014 in a two-hour period where I lost my wife to another man. I lost my job and I lost my driver's license. And it was sort of a really intense thing. Um, and it just, my whole life was just gone in that two-hour period. Everything that I had and, and believed in was just gone. And um, from that day on, it's been the most incredible experience. So after that time in 2014, tell us what changed in your life. I was working as a bouncer in probably the very worst nightclub in Queensland. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was managing the place at the same time. Um, So what happened was... uh, God really, really challenged me about where I was and what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I'd been working in a, a, the Valley train station at the same time, and I was throwing people out, and I could see that they would be close to death. And I could see that the, the addiction was just, it was going to take their life, and I would say to them, leave the premises, because I don't want to have to do the paperwork when you die. Mm-hmm. And the conviction after I got into my life was just, it was huge because the same blood that was actually shed for me was, was the price that Jesus paid for them. And uh, it's, it's something that I remember so vividly. I've been praying, Lord, you know, for as much as I have grieved you, let me be a blessing. Let me be a blessing. And 
from the way that I actually looked at people back then, I was a really, really hard man. I could watch someone walk off and die. To now, it's been such an incredible journey because I can see the gold in those same people. I can see what Jesus sees in them. Nobody is a waste. Nobody is a throwaway person. And tell us a bit about what happened after this conversion experience. So 2014, you you came to the Lord and you started having a heart for the lost and the lonely. And I know you do a lot of work uh, volunteering, um, helping out people uh, at soup kitchens and you know things like this. Tell us why you're so passionate about this kind of ministry. Because nobody is too far gone. Nobody's circumstances are beyond Jesus Christ. And honestly, Jesus will use the person who is there, the person who makes themselves available. They're his hands and feet. We co-labor with him. Now, working as a bouncer must be a pretty dangerous job. Uh, Tell us a bit about how, as a Christian, you've been able to survive in that industry. The deeper the relationship you have with Jesus, the, the, the more that you get to express him to other people. There have been situations where people have come up and I've actually, I've had to fight for my life quite a few times in the last 10 years. But I can honestly say, being saved, I have seen the Holy Spirit work in the most amazing way. People will come up totally enraged and threaten to rip my face off. And then the turnaround is just instantaneous. And it's, oh, you're a good bloke. Oh, man, I'll just give you a cuddle, hey? That, in the face of all of the violence that was there, it's nothing more than a miracle. It's nothing more than the Holy Spirit intervening. And I know you've done a lot of work among Indigenous Aussies as well. Tell us about that mission time you've, you've had in your life. Oh, mate, when I first became a Christian and where I came from, um, I think at that stage nearly everybody who'd wanted to kill me was actually an Indigenous person. And um, there'd been quite a few incidents with a lot of violence. I said, Lord, really, you don't want me to do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the man for this. And uh, it turns out I, I was the man for that. He opened the doors in Woodridge. Um, there was a group of young kids and uh, I went and I fed them. I wouldn't give them money and I told them that, you know, I'm not giving you money to go and spend on glue. I'll feed you, I'll buy you a drink. You know, whatever you need, but I will not give you money for glue. And the kids came, they ate, and uh, I lost my job over it. Even though it was on my time, I had nothing to do with work. It went back to the company and uh, they fired me. But the Aboriginal community came back to me and they said, what happened? And um, in particular, there was a young man who was a a counsellor, a youth counsellor. And uh, I got to share with him that, you know, it doesn't matter what colour the kids are. If children are in trouble, then surely, you know, we need to help. And he was 
so moved. He it really rocked him. He um he turned around and he said, "You don't see any colour." And I said, "I have a little girl, and I would hope if she was in trouble, someone would help her." And um, I've been able now to to travel to some of the most incredible places throughout the Northern Territory and the, the small communities there and just see God move in the most amazing ways. Mm. It's been a true blessing. What parts of Australia have you travelled to? Um, the first place was up into Darwin and uh, in through uh, to a place called Air, one of the largest Aboriginal communities in Australia. And uh, it's very, very unique place indeed it's it's as close as the third world in this country you know the poverty is just extreme um but god has a plan for that place and uh i've been into um the red center into the alice and the communities around there as well and uh i just love the uh the indigenous communities you know, when they praise and worship, it's it's straight from the heart, and it's such an anointing. Mm. And, mate, I know you had uh, a bit of trouble a while back, and you, you busted your knee. Tell us what happened. Oh, uh, I was removing a young man from a nightclub, and um, he'd thrown a tantrum and uh, thrown himself to the ground twice, and we got to the elevator, and he did it again. And um, this time, as I was stepping back, because it was an elevator, he wasn't going anywhere, the, uh, he pulled his, his knee back to his forehead and snapped his boot heel out and shattered my kneecap into five pieces. Mm. And uh, even that has been a blessing. Tell me how that's been a blessing. Oh, in so many ways. The actual kneecap was the only thing damaged. There was no tendons. There was no anything else. I didn't need an operation, which means uh, five months healing and I'm, I'm ready for work again. Mm. Um, and that's just such a blessing. It's, it's two months ahead of where it should be. Now, Tom, um, you've, you've shared with me before about, you know, the, the, the difficulty of being a Christian in the middle of the nightclub scene as a bouncer. Uh, but, you know, that's the kind of place Jesus would be. He would go to the, the poor, the broken, the prostitute, the tax collector, the, the down and out, and he would love them and be a rock alongside them and speak into their life. You find yourself in situations where a lot of these people you work with come to you and you're able to be a pastor or a chaplain to them. T- tell us, give us some stories about how you connect with, with people in that scene. Well, I've worked in security in some of the adult clubs in Brisbane, and uh, that seems to horrify some people, but um, we're called to dark. We're called to dark places. That's how our light shines. And uh, one of the clubs recently I was working in, they brought in these new scanners, so I am on the front door, and uh, my job is to scan in the, the patrons. But the girls would come up, the dancers would come up and they'd complain about their injuries and all the problems in their life and I get to pray over these and uh, then when the girls receive healing, they go down back into the clubs they tell the male patrons and the male patrons come out asking about Jesus Christ (laughs) 
And that, that is absolutely incredible. We just a couple of months ago, there was a young lady and, um, walking the back street, she was actually assaulted quite badly with a bottle. And, uh, so every opportunity I get, I will walk the girls to their cars. I will walk them to the train or I'll walk them to the bus. And, um, one of the girls said to me, Tom, can you walk me to my car? And of course I will. And, uh, walked her into the car park where she parked the vehicle and we got to her car and she said, Tom, will you pray for me? And I said, I didn't even realize you knew I was a Christian. And she said, are you kidding? We see you praying for people all up and down this street (laughs) all the time. And she gave a life to the Lord at three o'clock in the morning in the car park. Mm. Love the way. I get to minister to people. Mm -hmm. And for those who want to have a picture painted of what uh, it looks like, Tom, praying for someone, uh, you're six foot two, you've got a shaved head, you've got handlebars, and uh, you're one of the most solid units you'll come across. So people won't want to mess with you. (laughs) And I often joke that when uh, you get up to preach at the soup kitchen or at the hostel or, you know, one of the homeless shelters, when you get up and say, God is awesome, everyone goes, yep, God's awesome, whatever you say. (laughs) when I start to speak and I say, you should listen because I've been there, I've walked it and he is the answer to every problem. Mm. Mm. And Tom, before we go, uh, you know, the might of people listening that are thinking, you know what, I hear about this guy uh, giving his life to Jesus. I hear about this guy talking about how God has the answers. You know, there might be people listening that don't know the gospel. Tell us uh, what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Oh, my boast is Jesus Christ. My boast is in him. There's nothing that I can do. It's him. And I have been in places where it's been dark, so dark, and he is the only reason I am alive. And it is the romance that he has for us. It's, it's We are his bride, and the passion that he has for us is just overwhelming. And I can't express, in, in English is such a poor language to express the, 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 the love that Jesus has and the way that he carried that to the cross. He is the, the very author of passion, and uh, I can't get that across. And I know that when I start speaking, and I know people hear just how passionate I am about this, that they really don't understand that passion and it's it's because they haven't experienced him firsthand. He's not a story in a book. He is a relationship firsthand, eye to eye. He's there. He's there to walk us through all things. He is my Lord. He is my Saviour. That is good news, mate. Well, it's been wonderful to hear your story today. And uh, I pray that the Lord continues to open doors for you to share the good news, to pray for others, and to see the kingdom come wherever you go. It's uh, great to hear your story today, Tom. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we appreciate all of your support. The vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus all over the world. 
If you've got a suggestion of someone we can interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.